Hey guys, Elder Jackson just popping in here real quick to let you know we do have some connection issues on this episode. It doesn't really cause a big problem, more so later on, but I don't really edit these things, so enjoy. Hello everybody, welcome back to the XX Mormon podcast. I, of course, am uh, conducting this meeting today. I'm Elder Jackson, and presiding is Bishop Jensen, and then we have another sister here today. Do you want to introduce yourself, sister? Hello, everyone. I am Sister Jensen, Bishop Jensen's humble wife. (laughs) Perfect. Uh, Then, uh, yeah, we're going to do a little PPI like we've done with a few other guests here. Uh, Just hearing other people's experiences is always interesting. Uh, Bishop, since this is is your wife, do you want to take the lead on this one sure yeah uh so why don't you tell us just your earliest memories of the church where did your mormon story start sure so um growing up i feel like i was kind of born into mormon royalty in that you know we go all the way back to the pioneers My ancestors were polygamists and settled in Nevada and Southern Alberta. And as soon as I can remember, my earliest memories in life were always about church, going to church, seeing my, I'm the youngest of five. I saw my older siblings get baptized, do church things, get the priesthood, go on missions. And um, yeah, we went every Sunday, grew up in a really strict Mormon home. My dad was a bishop. My mom held lots of leadership callings as well, Relief Society, primary president, and our life was church. We were very devout Mormons. Um, We were all very sporty, but could never play in championship games on Sundays or tournaments, nothing like that. Everyone knew we were Mormon, thought we were probably weird. (laughs) Did you, did Um, you feel weird though? Yeah, I mean, I never, ever felt totally comfortable being a Mormon. I was always embarrassed. I couldn't participate in, like, I remember being about eight, and I'd made, like, a rep baseball team, and my parents would not let me play on Sunday. And I felt so dumb telling my teammates and coaches I could not come Hmm. on Sundays. And my excuse was just because, like, I'm a Mormon. We're not allowed to play on Sunday. And everyone's just like, why? Like, why does it matter? And I told Totally hated that, but my parents never, ever, ever budged on any of it for any of my siblings or I. Hmm. Yeah, that was a that was a big thing for for me growing up. Was there um, like did that make you want to rebel a little bit, or was that just kind of like oh okay? Like, did you just kind of take it and roll with it? I just rolled with it. Um, I was a pretty obedient kid until probably I entered high school. And then I realized that I went to a high school with like no other Mormons. There were maybe like two others my age and they were weird. Mm-hmm. So we weren't friends. We didn't really associate. Um, and like going into high school, I guess I kind of went the more like popular crowd way. Didn't associate with the other Mormons. Realized that being Mormon was weird. So I kind of like got into drinking, doing stuff I shouldn't. Um, yet I'd still go to church every Sunday with my family, put on the facade, um, 
but wasn't really like living the gospel, of course. Right. Right. But still going. Cause I knew it was what I was supposed to do. I was living under my parents' roof. Mm-hmm. It was just expected. Hmm. Was that like, um, any, uh, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Bishop. Just any, uh, specific stories of weirdness in your family or with friends at school or anything that you kind of want to get off your chest? You kind of gave us an idea of what your Mormon upbringing was really like. Um, yeah. So like, um, I guess from the earliest age, modesty was always so, so, so important. I remember I always had, my family was a really big lake and swimming family and I was never allowed to wear a bikini, even from a young age, if I would have worn a tank top or borrowed a friend's bathing suit, I would have gotten shame if it was like immodest or whatever. And so growing up, like modesty was always a thing. And then when I got to high school and kind of came out of my shell, I'd start to sneak out wearing tank tops or short skirts. Uh, my parents never talked to me about dating and sex, just that you don't date till you're 16. Even when I was like five, six, seven, and I might have a crush on a boy in my kindergarten class, my parents were like, don't date till you're 16, <laughs> all this stuff. Um, so I just like lived a really sheltered life and figured out things on my own probably the way I shouldn't have, but things just weren't talked. We, we, we never talked about those kinds of things. I was like too scared to talk to my parents about normal teenage things. And even now, like it scarred me so much that I talk so openly with our kids who are only five and almost eight about things. Right. Cause mm-hmm. I just don't want them to ever feel like they can't talk to us about high school experiences or their bodies or anything. Right. Yeah when you were when you were going through this when you were like rebelling and and drinking and doing everything that you shouldn't and then showing up on sunday was it like did you feel guilty when you showed up on sunday were or was it like uh oh i'm doing these things and then i have to show up to church because that's what my family does or did you still because i know some people kind of have this balance of like i really really believe it but I'm also doing all these awful things and I'm a bad person. Like what was your, your take on it at that time? Yeah. Well at the time, like I knew what I was doing, like wasn't like what I should have been doing, mm-hmm. but I didn't care. And I didn't think I was a horrible person because I'd seen a few of my older siblings go through the same thing. They do their whole repentance thing after high school, go on a mission, turn their life around, get married in the temple. So I always assumed that's kind of the route I would go, which is a really bad way of thinking. But I'd be like, I'll just sow my wild oats, go repent when I'm ready to get married and then go to the temple, right? Easy. That's like, I don't know. I never felt too guilty about things. And I'd, I'd still like go and participate in young women's lessons or, or things like that and Still, occasionally, I think I was feeling the spirit or something. So I was like, I know I'll always end up, you know, coming back hmm. and being a Mormon housewife, getting married in the temple. Right now, I'm just whatever, being a teenager. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. That that's something that always fascinates me. What like where people's beliefs are at and what they're doing? Because I know I had some cousins when I was younger who went astray, quote unquote. And I, I looked at them and I'm like, it's so sad. But then I talked to them and they're like, I still believe it, you know? And, uh, but they, they weren't like living 
you know, the way they should, I guess, according to the, according to the church. Now we've. Yeah. Like I didn't grow up in Alberta where like I'd, I'd have more, like other Mormons in high school, like checking right. me or shaming me. Like I know Bishop Jensen, my husband may have had that experience. He had other Mormon kids to kind of keep him in check in high school. Whereas I didn't, my other one Mormon friend didn't even go to my high school, wasn't even in my school district. And she was also drinking and all mm. these things, but still showing up to young women's and being the Laurel class president. And we all were just kind of of the mentality, like, Oh, like we'll make our way back. And like, and our parents didn't know, like, of course my parents didn't know I was always sneaking around and everything. So as far as they knew, I was still a good Mormon girl, right? Maybe a little wild, but, but, but keeping all this stuff, doing it right. Yeah. Uh, and then of course you, you did end up, uh, becoming that, that Mormon wife. What we've heard like a lot of Bishop Jensen's side of like, your guys's uh like marriage and then eventually leaving the church do you want to like take us through that story a little bit from your perspective and experience oh you froze did we freeze did you hear us yeah um yeah sorry i froze i heard you you're asking about okay. our experience leaving now yeah 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 so yeah so um i had yeah, so I guess fast forward, I repented of my ways. I moved to Calgary for a fresh start for a big YSA scene and not necessarily like with the goal of getting married quickly because I never wanted to do that. I, I moved out to Calgary to go to college and then I end up, ended up going to a YSA ward there by UFC and making lots of good friends. And I was living in a house with Mormon girls and we were going to activities and having house parties with all these other Mormon guys. And it was so much fun. And it was this life I'd never really lived. And I was like, oh, there are normal Mormon teens and adults and they're so cool. And it was a whole new world. And so I met, dated some losers, but then I met Bishop Jensen and, um, you want to, we kind temple. of skipped your detour at B. We skipped your detour at oh, BYU, yeah. Idaho before you came to Calgary. Do you want to get into that at all? You want to talk that now? Talk about that now? Okay. So um, I was pretty much forced to go to BYU, Idaho because I didn't get into Provo. And so I went to Idaho, even though, like, I had a couple universities want, like, ask me to run track for them, but my parents just wanted me to be around Mormons because I guess, you know, they might have been a bit worried about me. So I went to BYU, Idaho, and that was so wild and probably it was like a major shelf item for me seeing how much different of a world it was there. Mm-hmm. Um, like just total different mentality. You're in the bubble down there. Everyone is there to get married or like get ready for a mission. Um, yeah. So I'd, I don't even know where to begin with Idaho, I guess. So I would moved to this ward. I was living in a house with girls and I was there for about a month. I was thriving and um, I get called into my Bishop's office to get a calling and he's just calling me to be, do something stupid, like the ward chorister or something like that. And I'm like, yeah, I'd love to do it, blah, 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 sitting in his office, like all perky. And then he just sits across from me and we're in like a, 
like a professor's office because mm-hmm. that's where the bishops get like their offices on Sundays, I guess. And it was like this dark, like musty room. And I'm sitting with this old guy and he just starts staring at me and locks eyes with me for like three minutes. He's like, sister, I just feel like you have some sin. You need to confess to me. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, oh, I'm, I'm good. I was like, I'm just sitting there, like feeling really uncomfortable. And obviously like when you apply to BYUI, you have to be worthy. You go through all these things with your bishop to make sure like you get an ecclesiastical endorsement. And my bishop had passed me. I talked to him about some things that, you know, I'd done with my boyfriend um, and we'd broken up and I'd come to Rexburg and whatever. And this bishop right there, he's like, I just feel like you have some sins to confess to me. I was like, well, I had sex with my boyfriend before I came out here, but I talked to my bishop about it. And he's like, hold on, what? And he asked me to relay every detail. And I just started crying because it was so uncomfortable. And I thought I'd already repented of this. And at that time, I thought when you talk to a bishop, it stays with a bishop. It's kind of like talking to a doctor or whatever, Mm -hmm. right? And he's like, well, sister, I'm going to have to take this to my my state presidency and we might have to expel you and send you home. And I'm like, what? Like, are you serious? I've only been here a month. Don't send me back home to Canada. I have no Mormon friends. I want to stay here. And like, he kept asking me more and more questions to like get to the extent how bad I was or whatever like he'd be like who initiated it how many times did you have sex did you ever use sex toys and all these things and I'm like whoa I'd never been asked questions like this before ever and um so like I told him everything and I was like sobbing and crying and felt so terrible and he's like we may have to send you home you go home to your apartment um maybe talk to your parents tell them what's going on and uh, I got to go talk to my higher ups and then we'll let you know. So I like go home. I'm crying. I'm out of my mind. I call my parents, tell them what happens. They're like, what? Like, you're not coming home. You're staying there. This bishop's being an idiot. At the time, my state president at home um, is best friends with my parents. Like I've known him my whole life, gone on vacations with him, everything. He gets the call. Oh, Ashley's getting kicked out. I mean, sister Jensen's getting kicked out. <laughs> Go uh, tell her family and prepare to bring her home. And it was it was so awful. From that interview, two days later, I was driving back home to Vancouver, like getting kicked out of BYUI. And Wait, so they actually the kicked worst. you out? They kicked me out saying I was not worthy and other kids we're missing out on the chance to go there because I was there unworthily. Even though that school is the easiest to get into, they literally accept everyone. Yeah. So, so I was unworthy said- to be there and they sent me home to Canada back, back to Van- where I, Vancouver, where I got back together with my ex-boyfriend for like another year. <laughs> so you were saying that, um, like you'd already confessed to your Bishop at home. Yeah. Bef- who was also a family friend. Yeah. And so he made me think that we'd resolved everything and that, and that I was good and I was going there for a fresh start and do the things I should be doing. Wow. So how did, how did the Bishop in Idaho get to reopen the can of, like, was there any blowback with your Bishop at home for like not handling things properly or. I don't know who, if he got blowback from anybody, but like my parents, my state president, all of us were just like, she already dealt with it and but I guess I don't know my bishop in Idaho just had 
spirit tell him that I hadn't fully repented enough or something and gave me the ax. What the heck? So were you there for like not even a semester or what? I was there for a month. <laughs> so I had to go parade around Rexburg, go get my tuition refunded from this fat, horrible lady in the accounting office. And she shamed me because she's like, why do you need your tuition money back? And I was like, I've been sent home, biatch. Like, and she's like, well, that's not very good. She gave me my check. And then because I left BYU Idaho early, the border was like, why is this girl handing in her student visa early? And I actually was flagged with the Canadian U.S. border for a year following that because of surrendering my student visa early. It somehow flagged my passport because they're like, why is this girl getting kicked out of a Mormon school? Maybe they thought I had drug issues or something. But I was flagged at the border for a year following this whole debacle as well. Holy cow. So, so they would like stop you at, at the border and be like, wait, 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 wait. We got an issue. Like the next time you cross? So, yeah. So I'd been sent home and my family has a lake house in Washington. So obviously like every weekend I drive back and forth. My family refused to drive with me. They'd always make me drive separately because they'd always pull me over. They'd bring me inside. They'd get a sniffer dog in my car. Always. Like it was the worst funny looking back on it now but like oh it was horrible what the so when heck? you went home when you went home did you have to go through the did you have to start the repentance process over with your bishop at home yes um and was he just like so we'll pull out the worksheet from last time and i'll just sign the bottom like was he really confused so at it how was to start actually it over? he had he had been released and someone had been recalled in that month that I'd gone to Rexburg. My bishop had just been released. A new one had just come in. So he yeah, restarted the repentance process with me, made me read Miracle of Forgiveness, made me do all these things. And then I also had to work with my stake president, like my parents' really good friend. Um, and yeah. What the heck? You like repented three times in like a few months. Yes. Wow. For the same so, thing. Yes, for the same thing. Wow. Because you know, like so super cool. <laughs> well, the thing, like we're we've been married for ten years this year, and. Like, I've always heard this story in bits and pieces, but this is the most I've, like, this is the most in-depth I've heard about it. But I just think, like, this, I don't know, these stories are just, they're crazy and, and, uh, and they carry a lot of trauma. And it's just like, I, like, when we got together, I had no idea you were carrying all this on your shoulders, right? And, uh, and I think because of the guilt and shame culture of the church it's like something you don't want to talk about mm -hmm. when you're getting close to somebody right but i just kind of wonder how different our life might have been if we'd been more open with how effed up our interviews had been and yeah experiences like regurgitating garbage yeah maybe we would have jumped ship sooner yeah so what was what was yeah, that like, like then oh, sorry, going go forward I'm, I'm just wondering you can continue yeah, so going forward, I, like, worked through, like, 
it was just so funny though, because I came home and it was back to like regular, like a cool Bishop. He, he's, he didn't ask me any more of those questions after we were working through everything like that Idaho Bishop had, we mm-hmm. just were moving on. He'd be like, Hey, read these chapters of miracle of forgiveness. And like, he was actually so great. Like he'd even like meet me at like Menchie's or whatever and be like, so how are you doing? How, how's all your reading going? Like he was more of a friend to me. Like my bishops here were always amazing. And it was just like, that guy in Idaho. And then, so anyways, the crazy thing is my parents are like, okay, well, we need to get you repented and you need to go prove yourself and go back there. So, oh, and so I ended up going back for my next semester. Um, So I was like on the track system there. So I'd been there in the fall. I got kicked out in the fall, came home, repented through the winter, worked on myself and went back for the spring track. And so I'd gone back in the, uh, in the spring, they let me back in, but like under probation or whatever, and lived in a new place, lived in a new ward, new roommates and everything, fresh new start, had such a great time, such a great semester. And um, right before I'd come home at the end of that semester, I had smoked weed with... <laughs> some guys from my apartment complex who were leaving on missions in like two months, by the way. And I uh, told my Bishop there in Rexburg what we'd done. And he's like, I don't think you should come back. I don't think this is the place for you. (laughs) And that was the end of my BYU Idaho experience. But like, I told my parents, I was like, I smoked weed and my Bishop told me not to come back. And they're like, are you serious? They're like, you're pretty stupid, but also like, what is the big deal? And then the missionaries that I'd smoked weed with went on their missions two months later and no repercussions for them or anything. But yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) So what, like, what kind of impact did that have on your, I guess, like shelf on your testimony and on your perception of the church and relationship with it? Well, so Ugh, I was just like, this place is crazy because I'd had other experiences in Rexburg, like where um, my apartment like had a party, mm-hmm. like a Mormon party. We invited like a few of the guys, a few of the girls from our building. We were like, come over, we'll have a dance party. And like by no, like there was no alcohol, no drugs, no smoking, no anything. People were dancing, but like nothing naughty. And someone in our apartment complained to the honor code office. And we all had to go get interviewed by this lady in the honor code office who thought she was a bishop or something. And like, it was just crazy. And so like, they threatened to kick us out then for having a dance party or whatever with a bunch of Mormon kids. And then like that bishop later, when I'd confessed to him that I'd smoked weed, he's like, well, you know, this is just building up on everything. And I think you need to work some stuff out with me. And I want you to write down every sin you've ever committed. And we're going to work through them and make sure that you're fully repented this time. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm not doing that. He's like, I want you to write them all down and bring them to me like next week. And we'll talk about it. And I didn't do it. (laughs) I canceled my meeting with him. And then I went home the next week and never came back. What did your parents say? They, at that point, they thought it was also ridiculous. And yeah. Yeah. my dad even emailed that bishop saying, like, how dare you ask her to write down all of her sins after she's gone through this, prove that she was worthy to go there. 
smoked a joint and now you're asking her to reconfess every single sin that has nothing to do with it. Yeah. Was this the same bishop from the first time or was it a new psycho no. bishop? No, it was a new psycho bishop who I'd actually liked until that point. He was a little crazy, like over the pulpit. He said French kissing is just as bad as sex and things like that. But he was like an okay guy. He was an okay guy. And, but like, it's just, as soon as you get them in a bishop's office, they're like, just weird. So those were like my experiences with like weird, crazy bishops. And so then I'd come home, figured, okay, F it. I'm moving to Alberta. I mean, I'll stay in Canada. People are more normal there. And that's how, that's how I came to Calgary. And that's how I met Bishop Jensen and all that yeah okay so so let's let's catch up then you're feeling like people are more normal in calgary you're having a hopefully more normal happier why say experience what what was your perception of church at that point um so at that point i'd moved to Calgary in a house with Mormon girls. Everyone I knew was Mormon at that point in Calgary and everyone seemed pretty normal. And so I just made myself like a, a group of friends. Um, and I had a really good time and I thought it was good. And I didn't have as hard of time as, you know, saying I'm a Mormon or whatever, because 90% of my friends there were already Mormon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, and so like, Going to YSA with all these people, you see them all coming home from missions, getting engaged. And I'm like, okay, well, like I want to start dating and I want to, you know, date some good Mormon guys. And so I dated one guy for a couple months and um, that was weird. (laughs) Broke up. Um, And then I met Bishop Jensen and he was teaching Sunday school and he was just such a good teacher. And I was like, whoa. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, baby. Bear that testimony to me again. Bosoms were burning. Yeah. No, um, he he came over to a house party. We ended up going on a date. The rest is history. But like, still at that point, I wasn't like, oh, I'm gonna marry him in a couple months and mm-hmm. all that. I don't know what it was. But as soon as you like move into a YSA ward, you're like, oh, like, okay, I want to get on this marriage train, and you know. Yeah, why? Never why thought I say wards... I'd be married by twenty-one, but there I was. Yeah, the, why I say wards do something to you? You like show up and everybody's dating, and you got to get get into it too. It's like the cool thing to do. Um, yeah, and the bishops just wanted like push you go get married, right? And yeah, they're like just hold on till the temple, hold on till you're married, then you guys can go do all this making out and everything. Like so weird. <laughs> It is really weird. Like when when you're in it, at least for me, when I was in it, I was like, no, this makes sense. It all makes sense. And then as soon as you leave and you're like looking at it from the outside, you're like, hmm, maybe, maybe it doesn't make as much sense as I thought it did. Yeah, yeah I think definitely. like it's in my mind, it's dumb luck that we are still together and still happy based on like how young and stupid we were when we got married mm-hmm. it's just like dumb luck yeah oh yeah and like thinking of how much i thought i loved you then versus how much i love you now like sounds really cheesy but i'm like we didn't know each other at all oh yeah and like yeah. and we were just dying to get married at, or bishop jensen's like let's get married in the summer and i was like no let's wait till next spring and everyone's like yeah, no, I get was... married this summer just do it just do it 
Well, I think I was like, if we don't get married in the summer, we're going to start fucking by the summer. Like, <laughs> that was pretty much. I was like, honey, honey, <laughs> not me. I was living a chase life again. <laughs> You'd repented. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Well, we had a funny. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, 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 no. You've got a story. Go. Oh, so um, I don't know if you've mentioned this, uh, Bishop Jensen, but us getting married wasn't easy because me coming from this big Mormon family, um, five kids, four all gone on. Both my parents served missions, came home for missions. All my siblings, four older siblings went on missions, came home for missions. My grandpa had given me a patriarchal blessing. He was the patriarch in South Calgary. He gave me a patriarchal blessing saying I'd go on a mission in my blessing. And so after all this BYUI stuff happened and I move out to Calgary, um, my parents are like, well, what about your mission? And I started dating Bishop Jensen and falling in love with him and told my parents, I'm like, I don't want to go on a mission. I think like I want to get married to this guy. And Bishop Jensen, do you want to talk about our crazy experience talking to the patriarch, how I wasn't following my blessing and all this crazy stuff we went through. I, oh my gosh. Well, thinking of it now, my skin is just crawling thinking of how horrible that whole experience was. It was weird. It was definitely weird. So um, weird. But I, well, I don't like, I don't want to, cause you know what? You're, I was a different person back then. Your dad was a different person back then. So I just don't feel comfortable telling, talking about it. Cause it's, I don't know. I, me and your dad are like best friends now. So I, <laughs> I don't want to talk about it, but. <laughs> oh, fine. Well, it's cringy, but I'll talk about it. All I'll say yeah. is my parents really wanted, well, mostly my dad. He really wanted me to go on the mission. I think at that time, my dad was really concerned with appearances of how all his kids um, were doing. And at the time his brother was the state president and my home ward. And so Growing up, we all, were always kind of compete, competing with my cousins and my uncle's family with church stuff. But anyways, my it, the fact that I didn't want to go on a mission was so embarrassing to my dad that he made us go talk to my grandpa, the patriarch, and see what he thought about it all. And um, my grandpa asked Bishop Jensen, well, won't you just wait for her if she goes on a mission? And Bishop Jensen said, no. <laughs> <laughs> And I think I think I said like no guarantees. Like I don't no, know. No, you're like no, no. You were like nope. And I don't think that's what I said. My grandma at the time. That's what I said to you. Grandpa Cleve. Mm. I don't know if I said well, that to Grandpa Cleve because he just no. gave me a lecture. I didn't have room to talk. <laughs> the best is like my grandma's like just let these kids get married. Why does everybody care? <laughs> really? Anyway, so. Yeah. So anyways, we ended up getting married and it was this, as soon as we got married, things were fine, but leading up to it, it was a little, little awkward, but mm-hmm. we had a great wedding and we were all happy. And now Andrew's best friends with my dad and my family, which is and wonderful. That always funny helps. enough. My dad. Yeah. My dad, who was this crazy, crazy strict Mormon. My dad was always cool, but he was always crazy strict about the church um, him having a faith crisis is what started my faith crisis. So, okay. Get, him leaving yeah. is what got me leaving. Okay. So, so tell us about that. What happened? 
Um, so I'd had like, I'd had all these like little life experiences, little shelf items build up and build up, right? Like growing up and then um, Rexburg. Um, but right now I was like really happy, happily married to Andrew or to Bishop Jensen. We were doing the damn thing, you know, like prime primary president and he was in elders quorum and like I was totally living the Molly Mormon life at that point. And um, I think we'd had our first kid mm-hmm. and we were living with my parents waiting for us to get possession of this house and so I was just dad oh. kept, uh, kept leaving his laptop open to Exmo Reddit and I was like what is this and I couldn't believe all these things on the ex-Mormon forum and that was back in the day like when it had like 20,000 followers kind of thing like, like yeah. this would have been 2013 2015 yeah. Yeah, um, way back when. It was there I saw the link for the CES letter, I think. Yeah. Um, it was there where I saw the link for the CES letter, and so I read it. And at that point, I still looked at the CES letter as kind of like, oh, like, this is anti-Mormon stuff. I shouldn't be reading this, but I did. And I didn't even love the CES letter. Like, I don't think that's what shattered my testimony, but it definitely planted lots of little seeds where I'd go research the things he talked about later. Um, and so that kind of like started a few things, started the wheels turning in my head about the church. And I just like, I can't believe my dad is reading this stuff and posting some of these things. And, um, church to me and my siblings and my mom. And so that kind of got it going for me. And, um, like I talked to, I talked to Bishop Jensen about it, um, but he was just true blue and a good guy. Um, <laughs> and church, I've really had a problem with Joseph Smith and his polygamy, and um, because I'd always known we'd practice polygamy. I thought it was more of a Brigham Young thing. And Joseph Smith is just this hero always. And I Mm -hmm. could not believe that he had married a 14 year old. And at that time I was in the young women's presidency. I was over all the 14 year old girls and a bunch of them would babysit for us. And I was like, this is exactly like if our current Bishop right now slept with one of our young women who babysits for our kids, like Mm -hmm. that that just made me feel sick. That's like what made it click. And I was just like, that is disgusting. Why are we like the church worships Joseph Smith? Like they're so obsessed with Joseph Smith. It's like the foundation. And I could not believe that's, that was our founding prophet. I could not believe that. Like that just disgusted me. And, and people are always like, Oh, he didn't sleep with any of them. He's just trying to like, you know, seal women and get them in the celestial kingdom and all this stuff. And it's like, no, it's there. And I, I'd read rough stone rolling and like really, really dug in. And I like, as soon as I realized what a loser Joseph Smith was, everything else came tumbling down. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. That was, that and was that, and like, I would call Andrew in the middle of a work day crying and being like, did you know this? And did you know this? And, and it's different for him because he's the guy and he's like, yeah, but I love you. And I'm like, are we actually going to practice polygamy in heaven and all these things? And 
He's like, yeah, you know, probably, but we won't have to do it if we don't want to. And I had said to Bishop Jensen one day, I said, if the current prophet came out now and said we were re- if we were doing polygamy again, what would you do? And he like could not answer me. Hmm. And it was that point I was like, I want nothing to do with this church, nothing to do with it. I think I I think I've mentioned that on the show before. Mm-hmm. That that was one thing. Like that ended up becoming a shelf item for me. The fact that I couldn't give an answer to that kind of question made me think, how committed am I? Like, is it healthy? How committed I am to this thing? Right. Right. Yeah. And that, well, and then I'm curious, Sister Jensen, what was it like for you to leave, but still have a spouse in? What was that experience and perspective like? Um, It was hard, but at the same time, it was like, we were just black and white about it. I'm like, you can go to church, you can take the kids, but like, I'm going to stay home. I'm not going, I'm not supporting it. I'm not paying any tithing, whatever. Um, and I'm sure both of us internally were actually like, oh, this sucks. But we, we never like openly like fought about it or anything really. Like I'd sometimes complain if he like had to go to a meeting or, you know, like go early for something and things like that. But it wasn't like too contentious or anything like me staying home and him going. I mm-hmm. think it was more uncomfortable for him than it was for me, but I don't know. Do you have anything to say on that, honey? I think, so one thing that you did say to me, actually, um, that made it easier for me was you told me that if church was actually 100% important to me and important to our marriage, that you would continue as a, a PMO or whatever. Hmm. You would go, you would come, you'd be physically and mentally out. You'd come to church if that was what I needed to keep the marriage together. And I said, and maybe you remember what I said differently, but what I remember saying was like, I don't want you to resent and hate. I'm not going to give you a reason to resent and hate the church. So if you don't want to be there, I'm not going to make you be there. Hmm. And I think for um, a while, like I'd still kind of go, but I like, I just couldn't get into anything that they were teaching anymore. So, you know, I'd, I'd go to get dressed up and look cute and I'd go to church with my family, put my kids in nursery so that they were occupied for two hours. And then I'd go like sit in the car, listen to a podcast or go drive to get a Starbucks, come back for closing exercises and get everybody and go home. But I remember mm-hmm. for a few months, maybe even a year, I'd go to sacraments still with you guys. And yeah. like, I didn't care if our kids were socializing or going to classes or whatever. And, I mean, I don't even think I really pulled our kids out with me or me and you did. Like our kids, by the time we all left together, our kids, we have a son who's really ADHD and does not like to go to primary anyways and be told to be quiet and sing and all these things. And so, like, I never told our kids, stay home with me or you don't go to church and stuff. We all, once um, Bishop Jensen came out, we all left together and that, but... I th- like one other thing that we did that made it easier for me to handle. Um, like you actually didn't, once you were out, there was a lot of kind of fighting and arguments that we were having about church when you were trying to make it work. And then when you were out, we stopped having those arguments. So we fought less about tithing when you were done than when we were in. Like when you were in, it was like, why are we throwing all this money away? That's what I remember. 
then when you're we are out, you're like, okay, mm-hmm. like if you want to pay it on the whole paycheck or half the paycheck or whatever, I don't care. Just you do you. And I was like, oh, okay. And then uh, same thing with like me going to activities or doing service, pro- doing all the extra stuff. When you were in and struggling, it was always a fight. But then when you were out, it was just like, I was like, I'm going to do a service project. You're like, okay, have fun. That's what I like. That's what I remember. It was like when the stress and pressure of you being in two minds about the church was done, you didn't really seem bothered by my participation in the church. Yeah. And I, and I never really went through like an anger phase with the church either. Um, until you came out too, and then started (laughs) bringing up all these feelings again. But yeah, like I kind of just left quietly and like, I felt great after just like, like, saying to myself, okay, like I'm completely done. Stop trying, whatever. I felt great. Like hmm. it yeah. was awesome. And then when you followed and eventually left, like, like, Oh, I think our family's never been happier. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know if I have a, have a, another question. I guess, I guess where are you at with it now? Like in your xx mormon journey like what's your place now um so now like i don't know it's weird because it's not like everybody's going to church now anyways but Mm -hmm. um i'm really happy with where we are and we're just doing our best to you know be good parents to our kids and teach them to be good people and as far as what i believe now it's weird because i don't know i don't think i believe in like a God anymore. And I think I'm kind of more a believer in science. Um, but I don't know, like, I feel like all the bitterness is, is pretty much gone. I'm just in a really happy place. And like, I'm still close with all my family who is Mormon and able, like we're able to watch our nephews zoom baptisms and we're just the cousins in the family that don't go to church, but we watch and support and, Mm -hmm. That's kind of where we're at. Yeah, that's good. Um, Bishop, anything you want to add? Any other questions you have? Uh, no, I'm good. I'm good. I hear the story often. Um, so I, <laughs> I don't have any other kind of curiosities here. But then uh, I suppose we will wrap it up there. Hopefully, Sister Jensen unfreezes. Oh, there she is. Okay, cool. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll uh, just close in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Oh, I'm here now, yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you.